Hello there, challengers. This is a short, cheeky bonus episode of the show that follows up episode 24, in which Rob and I discussed mental health following Deli Ali's recent interview with Gary Neville. When I reflected on our chat, uh, I didn't think I explained very well what my take is on mental health. I always find I refer to how long my book is when people ask me to sum it up because it explains just how much there is to cover in this topic. And it's therefore really difficult to sum up in a few words. However, my main aim in my work away from this podcast is to help as many people as possible to solve all the problems in their lives that we all face as humans. So I think it would be more useful if I just practice getting better at explaining in a nutshell what I think and believe. Then if you're interested in hearing more, I'll share with you at the end of this some other free resources you can use to delve deeper into this world. Given all of that, I checked with Robbo and he was happy for me to record this extra episode in case you want to hear a bit more. So let's start by taking you back briefly to where this all started for me, which gives me a chance to talk about my old life that you've heard me mention a few times in previous episodes. So from when I was a little kid, I basically did everything everyone tells us to do to be happy. I was, I worked really hard at school. I was the first person in my family to go to uni, did a law degree, then built a career as a corporate lawyer that led to me setting up my own law firm after working at some huge prestigious corporate firms. I lived in a big city centre apartment. I was married. I drove an expensive fancy car. I owned four rental houses and to the outside world looked like I had everything anyone would want. Um, but behind the scenes, I was miserable. I had money problems, I had relationship problems, I had anger issues, I had multiple chronic health problems and anxiety issues. I drank way too much alcohol. I worked 70 to 100 hours a week and everything I did was extreme. It reached a point where I was severely depressed and I wanted to end everything. And I, I literally used to plan how I could arrange for me to be killed so that my family would be spared the pain of me killing myself. And when I reached that point, I decided that the pain to my family of me ending it all would be far more than the pain of me telling them that I couldn't carry on in this life that I'd built in this play I was participating in. So at 38 years old, I made a series of extremely difficult decisions and I decided to rip my whole life apart and start again. I sold the law firm, another online business that I was growing, had crashed after looking like it was going to be huge. I sold all the properties. I left my marriage and I sold everything I owned apart from two bags of clothes and two boxes of books. That's literally all I kept. And when I tell this story, there's often a misconception that having sold everything, including a law firm, that I was minted, that I was rich, which people somehow think makes everything that I did easier. So I think it's really important to say here that even after selling everything, I was left with nothing other than a huge amount of debt that had accumulated building a life that was made to impress the outside world rather than to make me happy. And I share that with you because I want you to know that if you're watching this and you're experiencing difficulties in your life, you don't need a lot of money to change everything. What you really need is the will and the desire to change. If you've got that, you don't need money. So after getting rid of everything, I was working as a consultant to the law firm that I'd sold my firm to. I was earning about 40 grand a year, which is a decent salary, but didn't make me loaded. 
And I basically just dedicated every spare penny I had to figuring out what was wrong in my life and how I'd got to that dark place. I worked with a therapist every week. I signed up with a coach in New York to learn about my chronic health problems and emotions. I worked with another coach in the UK. I was working with all three of them at once for a long period of time. I watched thousands of hours of YouTube videos. I listened to hundreds of hours of podcasts as well as reading as many books as I could find about psychology, emotions, and human behavior. I consumed everything I could from around the world. And that's what led me into this new life that I've been in since. So what I was looking for through all of that was the root causes of all of our problems. Because if this even goes back to when I was being a lawyer, I could see that us humans spend most of our time focusing on the symptoms we're experiencing in any given situation rather than finding real solutions. So I wanted to do the opposite. I wanted to get to the root cause. And that's what I found. Um, and that's what I, basically what I believe in now. It all comes back to this, which is the root cause of all of our problems in life is low self-esteem. Some people call it low self-worth, but it's fundamentally the feeling that we're just not good enough as we are. And one of the bits I didn't explain at all in the show last week was that we usually talk about mental health. That's, I know we don't talk about mental health enough, but when we do talk about it, that's, what, that's the phrase we use and that's what we talk about. But what I've discovered is that our, the, our emotional health is actually the deeper problem behind our mental health. And pretty much nobody talks about that. And I've been working on this stuff for about five years now, including teaching it to people and coaching people all around the world to help them solve their problems. And as I've done that, I've been working on simplifying what this work is and the work I do as much as possible so that I can explain it better. And to do that, I like to create images that explain things because I think most of us can understand things better if we can picture them. So this is where I've got to with it all. If you're listening to this as a podcast, this is the bit where you might want to jump over to the YouTube video just to watch this part because I'm going to talk you through a little basic drawing. And basically, in as short a summary as I can manage, when we're born, we start out as this little pure version of ourselves where everything we're meant to be and there's nothing wrong with us. But as little humans, we have a problem that many other animals don't have. We know we can't survive by ourselves. We have to rely on the love of big, ugly humans to keep us alive. And from the moment we're handed to these big, ugly humans, we start being told certain parts of us are not acceptable. Now, this is crucial to say, this is, it's no one's fault. This is all just passed down through generations. It was passed down to us. We have passed it on to other people without realising it. But think about one of the first things any baby hears when they arrive in this world. When they come out crying, the first thing many people say is, don't cry. And that starts a series of don'ts that were programmed with over the years. Don't be afraid. Don't be angry. Don't worry. Don't be sad. The problem is that just because we're told those things doesn't mean we stop feeling sad, angry, afraid, or anxious. We just learn that those parts of us weren't acceptable or aren't acceptable. And because we desperately want and need the love and acceptance of the big ugly humans, our clever systems quickly learn to suppress those parts of us to make sure we're accepted and loved as much as possible. So we suppress the parts of ourselves we think are bad or wrong. Now, this is one of my favorite bits of the explanation. I like to explain it as thinking of us all as these big machines. So instead of thinking yourself, 
as one human think of yourself like a big machine like a big ship big spaceship or a big boat ship like in star wars or star trek or a big boat and you've got this control deck with all these levers and screens and switches or for those of you with kids it's like the inside of the little girl's head in the movie inside out so you've got a team of people inside this control deck who control everything we do this is our subconscious but their job is to keep us alive and to meet our emotional needs they're not interested in our happiness. This is really important. And once they realize that the original pure version of us, that little egg, the pure egg that comes out, can't manage with the world that we've born into, they start to create adaptations of ourselves in order to help to suppress our emotions and to survive and to meet our needs. And what that does is create this layered version of us with multiple parts of our personality. Now, if you don't believe me when I say this, because you're so used to thinking yourself as just one person, just stop to think for a minute about how different you are in different parts of your life, depending on who you're with or what you've been doing. So is the version of you in work the same as the version of you with your mates? Do you act differently with your parents than you do with your kids? Who are you when you're totally alone compared to when you're with anyone else? Now, people often get freaked out when I first start talking about this stuff because they're worried that I'm like exposing us all as being schizophrenic. But the truth is, this is absolutely normal. This applies to every human I've ever met. It applies to me. It applies to everybody on this planet. And it's nothing to worry about. The kicker to it, though, is that these characters and the new parts of our personality we build during our childhood to help us to meet our needs and to survive stay with us all the way through life unless we take serious action to undo the programming that caused us to adapt the way we did. So what that means is as adults, our subconscious recreates the same situations we experienced as children because that's where it feels safe. There's way more to this, but it's why we often find ourselves in relationships or jobs that make us unhappy, but we feel like we can't leave. It's also it's also why we find it so difficult to change. The traditional personal development and self-help words, words talk about self-sabotage and saying that that's what stops us making changes in our lives. But I don't believe in self-sabotage. I think it's bollocks. That phrase assumes we want to change and we're sabotaging ourselves from those changes. But that's not what's happening. The change we want to make comes from our conscious brain, our conscious mind not being happy with our lives. But remember that the people in our control deck, in our subconscious, don't care about our happiness. They only care about keeping us alive and meeting our needs, which they've been taking care of happily for us for decades. They've had this nailed without us knowing. So when we suddenly decide in our conscious mind that we want to make changes, our subconscious will just keep dragging us back to where we used to be because that's where it feels safe. It doesn't matter whether where you want to go seems better to, to you than where you've been. That's your conscious mind. Your subconscious doesn't know what it's like in the new place, so it won't let you go there. The most simple example I can give about this is money, right? So it's the reason most working and middle-class people never become wealthy. It's because while your conscious mind might think it would be better to have more money, your subconscious can't be sure it's safe being wealthy. So it will keep you stuck where you are because it knows you're safe and it can meet your needs there. And that keeps happening unless you put in a load of work to override this. Again, there's way more in that. That's, that's a very basic summary of it. But this is where the work I've developed over the past five, five years comes in. So what I did when I was learning from 
all around the world was take the best of what I'd learned in different places and put it together. I realized that if I built my self-esteem, it was like the tide that rises, lifts all boats. Rather than working on all of these high-level symptoms, so the anxiety, the anger, relationship problems, building self-worth was like a magic trick that fixed everything without me even thinking about it. And once I'd seen it working in my life, I wondered whether it could help other people. So I started rolling it out to see, and this was at the beginning of COVID. I rolled out free offer for people to do this coaching and see what happened. And it worked. So regardless of people were, were regardless of where people were from, regardless of their gender, regardless of their sexuality, their race, or whatever problem they brought to me, this stuff helped to solve their problems from their root. And one of my favorite examples of this was a great lad who came to me and he had addiction problems. And he said he was really worried he was about to lose his family because of it. He said he'd been to see a therapist and it hadn't helped, basically. It, he'd got to a certain point with it, but it, it wasn't getting any further. And he said to me, look, I've seen some of your videos. I've seen some of your stuff. I think you might be able to help me. Can we try? And I said, yeah, absolutely fine. So we started working on this and we did some coaching. And after about six to eight weeks, I'll always remember the call. He came back to me and we were having a, a conversation and he said, Paul, before I came to this call, I was thinking about what to talk about. And I was thinking about work, like problems in work. And I said to him, okay, that's fine. And he said, but it, that doesn't make sense because, it, you know, two months ago, I came to you with a drug addiction and alcohol addiction. And now I'm not thinking about it. And I was like, well, that's good. And he said, but it, like, that doesn't make sense because we haven't talked about drug addiction or alcohol addiction or any form of addiction once. And I smiled because that proved to me that this work is exactly what it's all about because we didn't need to talk about the addictions because that was the symptom of the problem. By working on self-esteem and raising the tide, lifting all the boats, the addiction took care of itself. And this is where this work is different to anything else I've come across because it combines loads of things in one place. So I've had loads of people come to me saying something similar to that lad, which is they've worked with a therapist and it helped them, helped them at first to talk about stuff and get stuff off their chest. But after a while, they just felt like they're just talking about stuff. They're just unloading every week. They're not learning how to change things, not learning how to get better, no practical help. Then other people said they'd worked with coaches who gave them practical things to do, but it didn't delve into the psychological and emotional root cause of things. So again, would be short-lived and wouldn't solve things. And I think what I added to everything I learned was my brain's very practical. So I used to be highly into maths when I was a kid and again, became then became a lawyer, very analytical. So that part of me doesn't work well with people just telling me things like, which I hear loads of in the personal development world, you just need to learn to let go or you just need to be present in the present moment more in meditation, stuff like this. Because my response was always, but how do I do that? Like practically, how do I do it? So what I started that to do was figure out practical ways to incorporate all the things I'd learned into our day-to-day -day lives without any of the woo-woo shit. And I realized after doing all of that, that what I'd done is create something new because even people I helped and coached couldn't really explain what it was. I'd say to them, what, what would you call this stuff? And they would say, I don't know. It's a bit of a cross between therapy and coaching and other things. So what I realized was when you've created something new, it's a bit like NLP. NLP was a combination of loads of other things. 
And I thought, well, I've created something new, so I need to give it a name. So I came up with this name. So I called it EPR, Transformational Therapy and Coaching. And the EPR stands for Emotional, Psychological and Real because it combines everything. It helps you with the psychological and emotional side of all this stuff that you can learn about and get into the deep parts of it. But it also gives you practical ways to deal with everything in your real life. So in practical terms, on the picture I showed you earlier, it helps us to unwind the programming that happened to us in childhood to get to know all of the personalities we've created as survival mechanisms over time and to learn how to bring the parts of us we've suppressed into our conscious mind. This is all about bringing it from our subconscious to our conscious so we can start to take our lives where we want to go consciously rather than being dictated to by our subconscious. So loads of this work is counterintuitive because unlike a lot of the traditional personal development world, it isn't about staring into a mirror and telling ourselves how great we are. I, I realized I've tried that. Like I, and I realized when trying it, that when we do it, we're basically just talking to the parts of ourselves that we already like. And most of us have, I'd say go as far as saying all of us have these dark parts of us that if we stand in the mirror telling us how great we are, the dark parts are whispering to us, telling us, no, you're a piece of shit. You're not that great. This is all nonsense. So it doesn't help. We don't get anywhere. So a big counterintuitive side of this work is that it's actually mainly about getting to know the darkest parts of ourselves and learning that they're okay, which sets us free. And that's about it. As I say, I could go on about this for hours. The, the, the audiobook version of my book is 14 hours long. So that's about as short a summary as I can manage. If you want to delve deeper into it all, as I said on the show, the book is about 650 pages long, but it generally gets very nice reviews, which you can check out on Amazon, which I'll link to below this in the podcast and on YouTube. If you want to just get more free information though, a big part of what I do is making as much of this stuff available to people for free so it, that it's accessible to everyone. That's a big part of what I'm trying to do. So I'll link to my website below, which has got more videos explaining the work. It explains EPR. It's got a lovely diagram about a mountain and a cave, which I think is really good to explain why this stuff is different. And there's also a link to a page where you can sign up for more free stuff, including free chapters of the, my books. So my first book and my second book a free newsletter that I send out most weeks. And I'll also link to my YouTube channel and podcast where you can go back over old episodes that go into all of this stuff in more depth. I'm actually going to record a new episode of that podcast straight after this that talks about the nine main parts of the work that I think are needed to transform our lives and sums up all of those and direct you to more videos. So that'll lead you down the rabbit hole if you want to go there. I've also recently restructured how I'm working with people on this stuff because I realized over time that private coaching is great, but I can only coach a small number of people at any one time. It's very draining. And what that inevitably does is it takes up all my time and that stops me creating free stuff for everyone else and takes away from that side of things. So now what I'm doing is only working with a small number of high paying clients, which frees up more time in the future for me to create more free content to help everyone else. I see it as a bit of a Robin Hood strategy because the people who can afford to pay high fees for this stuff are happy to. And what that does is benefits everybody else because it frees up my time to create free stuff for everybody who can't afford to pay for private coaching. Now, I know that that is likely to trigger those of you out there that thinks you shouldn't be charging for this stuff and you shouldn't make any money out of it for helping people. 
because that somehow is make, somehow makes us makes me a right wing extremist. We'll talk more about that in a show in a couple of weeks. I'm looking forward to getting stuck into that. But that's it for this. I hoped it helped to explain in more detail about what I about what I think about this stuff and how I approach it. All of the links below will take you as far down that rabbit hole as you want to go. As I said, obviously, if you'd like to support that side of my work away from the TLC podcast, please subscribe to my other YouTube channel, sign up for the newsletter, share it with your friends and family if you think they might be interested. Aside from all of that, though, I'm more than happy for you to just consume as much of the free stuff as you want without ever buying a book or an online course. Use it however helps you the most in your current circumstances. I'll be back with Robbo next week, back to the normal programming when he's back from Turkey with his new teeth. I'll see you then.